Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. If you've got health care already, then you can keep your plan if you are satisfied with it. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Take it to the bank. Together, we will make America great again. We shall never surrender. Never surrender. It's what you've been waiting for all day. The Buck Sexton Show. Join the conversation. Call Buck toll-free at 844-900-BUCK. That's 844-900-2825. The future of talk radio. Buck Sexton. We also finally did away with the individual mandate uh, tax that was established under that wonderful bill called Obamacare. Now, if you didn't catch on, I was being very sarcastic. That was the stupidest, dumbass bill that I've ever seen. Now, some of you may have loved it. If you do, you are one of the stupidest, dumbass people I've ever met. This was one, and there are a lot of them up there on Capitol Hill from time to time. (laughs) Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. That was uh, Orrin Hatch. I mentioned yesterday, he said it. Obamacare supporters, the stupidest, dumbass people he's ever met. I just, I thought, you know what? Let's set the tone with it for Friday. Let's just go with it right away. This is one of these great days where it is pouring rain here in New York City, really all over the East Coast. It's just just cold, wet, gray, and not a whole lot going on. Everything's kind of, airports are having a tough time sending out planes. People aren't really leaving their homes all that much. Everyone's hunkering down. So I feel like we're going to have a freestyle Friday, and it's going to be kind of like freestyle in your well, maybe some of you are in your car or your office, but freestyle in your PJs, we'll all just kind of hang out together. I'm not even going to wait for it. I, I want to get into Action Movie Quote Friday right away. Wait, I can't? Now you're, you're waving me off? He's waving me. Wow. I, I got ahead of the squad here with Action Movie Quote Friday. And by the way, for those of you that like to just live vicariously through the adventures of the Freedom Hut, we currently have the one and only DJ Cash here in person, because he's he was rocking the mic a few minutes ago. Uh, Mike, thank you for, well, the other Mike, I like microphone. But Mike, thank you for bringing him in. Uh, he, he is he is a cute little fellow. Is he a cockapoo? He is a cockapoo. He's a cockapoo. Yeah. So we got a cockapoo with us in the studio right now. Puppy, what is he, two months old? Three. Three. So if you hear, I'm being serious, if you hear any barking, it's because Cash the cockapoo is hanging out with us here on Friday. And... Uh, He's, he's, he's a cute little fellow, you know? He, he definitely likes hanging out in radio worlds. So this is good. I think it's going to be our, our unofficial Freedom Hut mascot. Or no, official. Yeah. It's my show. Let's make it official. It'll be, <laughs> there we go. Commie Bear is going to be jealous, but Cash will be good with it. But thank you for bringing him in. It's like the most fun part of my Friday so far. And with that, whoa, action movie. Action. This is the chopper! Movie. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Quote. You have the right to be dead. Fridays. Action movie quote Fridays. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> I know Kung Fu is one of my favorites. I love The Matrix, man. It's a great movie. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Uh, let's, make, let's make producer Mike busy in there. Give him some calls. Talk about anything, by the way. You don't have to call him that action movie quote if you don't want to. But, I mean, if you don't, it's clearly because you're scared because you know you can't sneak one past the action movie quote, Master, that would be me. Uh, yeah, thank you, John. That's right. Ding, ding. 
so let's let's get into it, shall we? I mean, this this is one of these days where people are going to talk about whatever they want in the news cycle. I'm going to get into, gosh, later on in the show. I've just got some random stuff I'm going to talk to you guys about. I've got some stories to tell, some some thoughts to share, because uh, we've covered a lot of national security already this week, so it's not like we're behind on that one. The White House intrigue is still getting a lot of lot of attention, and uh, we're seeing, for example, uh, CNN's Jake Tapper. Did he open his show with this last? Opening the show with White House intrigue. Investigation. The president fuming over his public spat with his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, and, of course, the latest ethics scandal plaguing his cabinet members this week, HUD Secretary Ben Carson. And don't forget, amidst all this, the president is about to lose hope. Hope Hicks, that is, one of his closest confidants, a Trump whisperer. One friend of President Trump's told CNN that Hope Hicks' departure would send the president into a, quote, tailspin, which, of course, prompts the question, she hasn't even left yet. If this isn't a tailspin, what is it? The Hopester. Uh, I had a high school debate coach used to call me the Buckster. But uh, the Hopester, well, I don't know, maybe one day we can get her on the radio show. I know some people who know some people. We could probably get her on the radio show at some point. Uh, we'll we'll figure we'll figure that out. But we, we've been getting a visit from some of our our fellow radio folks uh, here with some of Hannity's team coming in. Because now that we got a puppy, obviously everybody wants to hang out. So that's cool. That's the great part of having a puppy. Everybody everybody's like, oh my gosh, you get a lot of people hanging out with you. Uh, but so yeah, hope is gone. Uh, hope is <laughs> see. This is what happens. You you get into play a, a play on words even when you don't mean to. Uh, Hope is stepping aside, and they're saying that she has a $10 million book advance waiting for her. That's the estimate, a $10 million book advance. And the great thing for for people that are either famous or a part of history in one way or another these days, they don't have to write the book. They get somebody else to come along and be the person who writes the book, and they just get to put their name on it, tell some of their story. And collect a huge advance. But it's not quite an Obama-level advance. I think Michelle Obama is expecting to get $30 million for her memoir. So even though I would, I would note that the Hope Hicks memoir would be way more interesting, I think, obviously. Just, and that's not even a partisan comment. I'm just saying I'm sure people would want to know what's been going on in this White House uh, from a little bit of an insider's Perspective. Although Hope is very loyal, so she may not write anything at all. This is all just speculation, and who knows? Or she could just write a memoir talking about how great Trump is. There's there's that possibility too. They're apparently very tight. Uh, so there's there's the stories about how this all all is going. Oh, she also had a diary. They're saying that's the thing. She kept a detailed diary of her time while she was in the White House. So we will have to see. Um, I, I think this is all going to kind of fade away. I'm wondering. They also have pointed out that McMaster is not going anywhere. I find that one hard to believe. I think they're just putting that on ice for a little bit. I think McMaster is going to they're going to find a way for General McMaster to no longer be. I think he's a three star to no longer be the national security advisor, but to do it so that it's like it was his idea and everyone's happy and they're not going to do it right now because things are looking a little a little up in the air right now. Things are looking a little bit like uh, who are they going to get to sign on for some of this stuff. So it's all going to be fine, though, folks. I'm here to tell you all that stuff is fine. CNN, MSNBC, they can get all excited about how there's flight from this White House. But 
the end of the day, you know how I, I remember, and this is important for all of us to to keep in mind. I remember when Trump was not going to win the presidency, full stop. No way, Trump can't win because he does not have the campaign infrastructure and he does not have the highbrow consultant types around him that he needs. And you know what? Nope. Clearly that wasn't true, right? Trump, this is, I remember all these pundits, some of them were my friends, going on TV, Trump doesn't have the ground game. He can't even compete in these battleground states. Well, clearly he can, and he did. And, you know, Trump doesn't have the people around him now to support the agenda. I, I think he's going to be okay. I think what you're seeing is that for a lot, in a lot of these advisory roles, there are way more talented and qualified people who are willing to do these jobs than there are actual jobs of high-level importance in the White House. So I, I don't put much stock in that this is all a, a big disaster and things are going to be so rough and everything else. I think that's all nonsense. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the, this White House the benefit of the doubt on being able to weather this storm. No pun intended, as we are in the midst of the bomb, bomb cyclone. But it's just called a bomb cyclone. Right? There's no name for this because it's not a hurricane. So we could come up with a name. Oh, something I forgot from yesterday is that the Russian missiles, the undersea drone, the nuclear drone, and the uh, hypersonic glide vehicle missile that they're talking about, uh, Putin is crowdsourcing the names. So if you have an idea for a Russian nuclear missile, next generation nuclear missile name, uh, you can, by all means, call in and give me uh, that idea, too. So uh, with that, my friends, I'm going to go to, we want to light those lines up, because uh, later on the show, I'm just going to be telling you stories. We'll be hanging out. Uh, there's no big breaking news today, so we can just mellow out, relax, chat, tell some things. It's going to be good. And I uh, want to see what you've got on your mind. So 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. An update on those companies that decided that they weren't going to have a, a discount with the NRA. One of them had a grand total of 17 people. You know, that Delta had had 17 people that actually used the NRA discount. Airlines, we all know airlines are terrible to begin with, right? So they start with that. So anytime you think you're getting a discount with an airline, you know, they're just going to end up charging you twice as much for baggage handling fees or whatever. So there it is. Uh, we'll have an update on that, though. Condi Rice made an appearance today. which is exciting. In the media, I mean. And, uh, yeah. Got a bunch of things. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Freestyle Friday is upon us. And we'll be right back. So Trump called a trade called trade wars good and easy to win. <laughs> Tweets earlier today. Okay. We'll talk more about that in the next hour. Oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, big, no surprise here. You've also got a piece in the New York Times says we should lower the voting age to 16. Because that makes it all of a sudden not a, uh, a point of criticism for some of the elevation of the anti-gun, anti-NRA voices that are out there for being too young to even vote. No surprises here. All right, let's get into some of these uh, calls we've got. We've got every line lit. That was fast. Thanks, everybody. John in Gulfport, Mississippi. Hey, John. Hey, Mr. Buck, i got to keep you honest. I gave you one chance at this, and I believe you blew it. Oh, man. I set, up, I set up the quote, and you made a lame attempt to to do the movie quote, and you gave yourself uh, the ring-a-ding-ding sound, ding-ding-ding-ding-ding-ding, as though you had won, and uh, you never named the movie. 
Are you saying so, I, are you saying I claimed bingo and I did not in fact have bingo? Yes, yes and I got to keep you honest. Man, that's a bummer. I got I, I got to keep you sharp. You do. You uh, no question about it. So let's get let's get it going on. Let's let's get it on. What do you got? All right, the hero is strapped to a table. The laser beam is about to cut him in two, and uh, as the villain leaves the room up a flight of stairs, abandoning this guy to his death, uh, the hero says, "You expect me to talk?" No, I expect you to die. James Bond, come on. You know I got that. Yeah, you got to name the movie now. Goldfinger. Don't even bring it. There we go. All right, now you're happy with me? Now I passed the test? Good. Now I'm happy. You passed. I've restored your credibility. (laughs) Thank you, man. Hey, John, you have a great weekend. Is it raining down there in Mississippi? You guys have nice weather. No, sir. No, sir. We have clear skies, a little bit of haze, which I believe is from some controlled burning they're doing nearby. The grass is green. I'm looking at a soccer field. There are there we go. there's a pretty girl pretty girl out here practicing soccer, doing an amazing job. And we have a flock of geese walking around in this big green soccer field. That is quite a portrait you just painted for us, John. Thank you very much for calling in from Gulfport, Mississippi. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Buck. Shield time. Shield, shield time, my man. All right, we have um Wade in Jackson, Mississippi. He's got a name for one of Putin's new missiles. Keep it clean, Wade. What's on your? What, what do you got for us? That's nice and clean, Buck. How are you doing today, sir? Shields uh, high. Shields high. I threw out there already the flying dossier, Putin's pecs. I had a couple others, but what do you think? What, what, what do you think the, the nuclear missile should be called? It's going to be the Trumpedo. That's pretty good. No, I like that. Don't buzz. They go. They hit the gong on you, but that I agree with. You. I like the Trumpedo <laughs> or the undersea one. Come on. You know it. Yeah, Mike's Mike's with John gave you the buzz, yeah, but John's kind of the Simon Cowell of action movie quote Friday. Like you know, he he's the one you have to win over. Mike and Buck are easy. We're the ones that are always trying. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, I agree with you on the on the White House. I think Trump's got it under control. I think it, he's pulling just like he did on the immigration. Yeah, look at Trump. Trump's, sure, Trump's we'll going to come on. We'll let them come in, and then they say, "Okay, no, we're going to get all of them in." And he says, "Well, no deal." It's I all going to be fine. I, I saw a story way earlier about how they're not staffing up embassies with as many people. Oh my! The State Department is so bloated. There's a lot of people hanging around in the State Department, different embassies, not doing anything. It's ridiculous. <laughs> That's right. It's like a job program where no one actually does anything. Anyway, Wade, <laughs> shield time, man. Thank you very much for calling in. Uh, let's take oh, Brian in High Point, North Carolina. Hey, Brian. Hey, Buck. Hey. Hey, I was just had a couple of uh, thoughts for the missile uh, name thing. Sure. Uh, you know the you know the British had the research thing, the Bodie McBoat face. Wait, the what thing? You, you know, the the British had the research vessel up in the Arctic. You know, they tried to crowdsource that, and everybody, you know, did, you know, hashtag, they called it Bodie McBoatface. You remember, you know what I'm talking about? No, I have no idea, but okay. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe your your uh, guy helping you maybe can look it up. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, no, I'm Bodie just going to take your word for it, but what do you or, think the Russian one should be called? Well, Pootie McPootface or uh, Missily McMixleface or something. I don't know. I'm, I probably sound really weird right now. I'm getting a Hunt for Red October vibe right now. I could do a Putin, Putin McPootin face. All right. That works. Yeah. yeah. Hey. And, and uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It's all good, my friend. I said uh, appreciate the creative impulse. Thank you for calling. Anything else you got for me, Brian? 
Well, I was, I was going to say the, the the thing with uh, Condi Rice being on the be- on the view. I bet whoever's idea was the letter on is probably going to get canned by Joy Behar now. Yeah, Joy Behar uh, runs a tight ship over there, from what I understand. You, you upset her. Yeah, it, it's Whoopi. It's really Whoopi's show, but Joy is the uh, Joy is the one that actually tries to kick people off. Whoopi's. I'll tell you, you know, yeah. I, I actually know people who know Whoopi. I've I've spoken to a few people that know her on personal. They actually say she's really nice. So there's that. Brian, thanks for calling in, man. Um, all righty. We got some more calls. Oh, here, the, the Whoopi thing. Uh, I'm sorry. Not the Whoopi thing. The Bolton thing about, uh, I'm looking at my list here of of um, different clips. This is from, since we're talking about nukes, this is what John Bolton said yesterday about Putin's claims about the nukes. We've known about this uh, hypersonic cruise missile. We've known about the capabilities they're trying to develop with a nuclear-fueled missile. Uh, we're doing a lot of the same sort of thing. Putin is, I think, making a propaganda claim here. And, of course, he's blaming us for this. He's saying, if you hadn't gotten out of the 1972 anti-ballistic missile treaty, I wouldn't have to do this. That's complete nonsense, and he knows it. So he's trying to justify a substantial increase in Russia's capabilities uh, by blaming it on us. Yeah, so like I said, it's yeah. We'll have to see. Russia does Russia even have the capability? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but it also may be a way of trying to get us to the negotiating table. I think that's that's my take on things. Um, and I'm I'll have to see how it goes. Oh, also Jack Keen weighed in on it uh, over at Fox. He knows the table has been reset by the Trump administration. We had eight years of declining defense budgets under Obama. President Trump has put two fiscal year budgets together to rebuild our military. And believe me, Putin notices that. Mm. And that's part of the reason here. He has he has been upgrading his nuclear arsenal. We have not. We have let ours atrophy to a certain degree. The Trump administration corrects that course. Trump administration corrects it. We will have to see. We will have to see. Um, I think that uh, much of what you're, much of what's being reported right now about the, the White House and disarray and Trump, it's it's really to just to in part distract people from the fact that the world hasn't ended, and we were told that it would if Trump was president, right? I think things are actually going pretty well. I keep saying things are actually going pretty well. Uh, by all the indicators, all of the different metrics that they would gauge, that they would use in order to tear the Trump presidency down if they weren't going well, those things actually look pretty good. Things are going okay. And so that's where, uh, as we look at this, got to remember, this is why there's such a focus on the Russia-Russia stuff. And um, in, in, Oh, I didn't mention that Trump uh, approved anti-tank missiles to be sent to Ukraine to use against Russian and Russian-backed forces in Ukraine. It's so weird the media doesn't seem that ex- that interested in that story because isn't that interesting? If, if Trump were in the pocket of the Kremlin, wouldn't it be a problem if he were sending anti-tank missiles that will be helpful in defeating Russian forces on the ground in eastern Ukraine? That's not what a puppet would do, is it? But I bet you didn't see a lot of big headlines about that one. We'll be right back. I don't like it at all when I see fake news. It really bothers me. But there's some fake news today that just crosses the line, man. The story that's making the rounds, it's even on the Drudge Report. It says a bacon gives you cancer. I, is this the work of some information warfare from Russian sock puppets? Maybe. 
Is this meant to create discord and destroy any harmony we have in this country? Perhaps. But saying that bacon causes, causes cancer is just too much, my friends. It's nonsense. Because as we know, there's a study that says that everything causes cancer. That's for one. And two, bacon is amazing. Let's just leave it at that for now. Oh, I see here the New York Times is reporting the Justice Department is likely to criticize McCabe for, oh, what a surprise, leaks to the media. Wow, who would have thought leaks to the media from the number two at the FBI, the one that we thought was anti-Trump and maybe played a very pivotal role in getting the whole FISA warrant process on Carter Page going and the one who's saying good job to, or was it the other guy who said good job to Sally Gates? One of them did. Yeah. The one who was part of the whole insurance policy comment by Agent Strzok. Peter Strzok said in Andy's office, referring to Andy McCabe, it's like an insurance policy in case you die before you're 40. Yeah. They're going to say, uh, they're going to say, of course, this is no big deal, but who wants to, who wants to guess who wants to guess and see whether or not the leaks were damaging to Trump when this report comes out from the Inspector General and the Justice Department? Who wants to take a guess? I think we all know, right? They tell us, though, don't think that that has anything to do with anything. Don't, don't worry about any of that. That doesn't mean just because all the people that at critical nodes of the Hillary Clinton email and then the Russia collusion investigation were vehemently anti-Trump don't think that means that you have to take that into account right they're just they're just government servants doing their jobs that's what they'll tell you that is what they will tell you and oh I mentioned before Condi Rice Condi Rice weighed in on the Russia investigation here here she is well, I think the American people are ready to move on. Everybody wants to know what happened. But as I also said to uh, Congressman Schiff, the intel committees also need to focus on what the Russians did, how they did it, because the first time, shame on them. The next time, shame on us if they can do it again. And uh, I think there's too little attention to what they actually did and how we're going to deal with it. I agree with everything Connie said there. We do want to move on. Yeah, we want to know. I want to know. I've always resented this notion that many of the Democrats and certainly the Democrat media has put out there that nobody who, you know, that those of us who are critical of the Russian investigation wouldn't care if, in fact, Trump was colluding with Russia in in, in an illegal fashion. No, I would want to know. That would be a problem. I just don't believe it. And I think that the accusation is just meant to be a smear and meant to be a wrench in the gears of this administration. And I know I'm right. And you know I'm right. That's why it needs to come to an end. I, this is, we've got an, another year, though. Another year of just story after story in the anti-Trump media about, oh, they talked to this person about this. They're looking at this. You know, they, they never follow up to say, yeah, nothing happened. And leaks and leaks and leaks. All of it anti-Trump. No surprises there. In fact, McKay being censured for leaks to the media is not surprising at all. I'm wondering when they're going to find somebody that was leaking classified information to the media in order to hurt Trump, because that definitely happened and no one has yet been held to account for it. We probably have another year of this whole thing. Another year of just nonsense, absolute nonsense.
on the uh, Russia collusion investigation. And not it's, <laughs> what a waste. What a waste of everyone's time it will be in the end. Not a waste of the media's time. They're, I was going to say they're using it for ratings, but CNN's ratings are terrible right now. So it's not really that. I think it's an ideological, an ideological motivation for them. They really just hate Trump. All right, that's uh, where I'm going to get into some of your calls. 844-900-2825. we got a spot or two open because we took some before. We've got lines lit up. Give me a ring. 844-900-BUCK. Freestyle Friday. We'll hear from you. And uh, we rolling into the second hour here shortly. We'll be right back. All right, team, lines are lit. Let's get to it. Um, we have Jason in Destin, Florida on the line. Hey, Jason. Hey, Buck. How you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you for your call. Good, good, good. Um, listen, uh, I, I really appreciate uh, President Trump and all he's and most of what he's been doing. Um, I've been a supporter of his since he started running for office and went to the rallies in Pensacola, Florida, and, uh, you know, back a lot of that. But some of the things that's been happening lately just don't seem to make a lot of sense, like some of his picks that he's made. Um for one, uh, Scott Gottlieb is the uh, is the acting director of the FDA. He's the head of the FDA right now. He's got real real tight ties with the pharmaceutical industry. Um, he used to work in the pharmaceutical industry before he got tapped to try and get the drugs out on the market quicker and um, slow down, you know, alleviate a lot of the processes that they have to go through before they make it to market and uh, for cost for cost reasons to try and get healthcare costs more reasonable. And I kind of see, I can see uh, Trump's approach with that. But the one thing he's done is he's uh, went after uh, a natural plant that tens of thousands of people use every day in the United States and millions of people in Asia use it. What's it called? It's called Kratom. Kratom. It's called Kratom. Yeah, I'm not sure if you are. You familiar with Ben Swan? No, I've, and I've never heard of kratom. What is it? Okay, it's an herb. It's a plant. It's a plant. And what it is, the kratom leaf. There's different species of the plant. Okay. And it's used in in for, for medicinal purposes in Asia, all over Asia, Thailand and Indonesia, and pretty much all over Asia. But uh, in the United States, we've started using it in the last 15 years or so. But it's that, but it acts on the opiate receptors in the brain, similarly to uh, synthetic opiates, but not nearly as bad. And it kind of acts differently in the way that it affects your body. So, do people use this kind of the way they'll chew nicotine gum to stop smoking? Why? Why? Exactly. And uh, farmers in the fields over in Asia, whenever they were picking opium, like in Thailand, the government made it illegal for uh, the farmers to actually use the opium the government controlled it. So they would actually chew they would actually chew Kratom leaves instead. Huh. But okay. Kratom is a Kratom is vital to the opioid epidemic problem. My wife and I, we actually we actually acquire uh, Kratom from Asia and we sell it in the United States. There's several states where it's made been made illegal for just stupid reasons, uh, because they're trying to keep synthetic drugs off the market and Kratom has got a bad rep because early on people thought that it was synthetic. 
Okay, well, Jason, I don't know anything about this plant, so I'm going to have to read up a bit on it. But uh, thank you for bringing my attention. So, but you're, you don't think Trump's picks are all, are all well, clearly they're not all working out because a lot of them have left. But some of them uh, are leaving something to be desired, I assume. I pre- Look, man, I appreciate you calling it from Destin. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, Trump, some of the people that have come in are not, uh, I don't know, have not been what, what we had hoped for. That, that's a fair thing to say. Uh, Chris in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Chris. How you doing, Buck? I'm good. Hey, man, I just had some things that's really been bothering me lately. Uh, there was a three-year-old boy killed two weeks ago as a legal immigrant that was drunk, ran a stoplight, and slammed into an ambulance and rolled it over. And I had a friend at work I was talking to about it, and he said, well, you know, if he wouldn't have been drinking, he might not have killed that guy. And I said, yeah, but if he wouldn't have been here in the first place because he shouldn't have been, that boy would still be alive right now, and that's a fact. Yeah. And it's something that's really been bothering me. You know, I've heard a lot of people make all these different arguments about guns and drinking and all these different things, but the fact is there's a lot of people that are dying. People aren't even hearing about it. I haven't heard anything about this story, and this happened right here in Winston-Salem. Yeah, it hasn't gotten media attention really at all. I I, th- I think I saw something about it. I mean, we might have even had a caller about it recently. Um, but yeah, it's a ter- it's a terrible tragedy. And anytime an illegal alien kills somebody in this country, you can just see automatically some in the press either don't cover it, they don't want to make it part of the narrative for the day, or they just say, you know, Chris, you know, Chris, I'd I'd even make you a bet. I'd say that there are probably some national level outlets who covered that story, and in the headlines, in the first few paragraphs, they'd refer to the uh, drunk-driving illegal immigrant as just a, uh, you know, North Carolina man. North Carolina man drunk runs into car. And and if you read all the way to the bottom, maybe they'll say he's an immigrant whose status is unknown or, you know, to be determined or something. So they're they're very dishonest in the way they report specifically on, on illegal immigrants and illegal immigrant crime and I'm I like man I'm I'm sorry and I I understand why it bothers you but at least we've everyone here listening to this show knows about it so thank you for uh raising it to our attention and try to have a good weekend Chris thank you for calling in uh wow everyone's really running you can tell it's kind of a slower news day cuz everyone's running with the Russia nuclear threat thing from yesterday uh CNN's got it going Fox has got it going everyone's covering this and I'm like well this was this was yesterday nothing new has happened and, you know, the Russia nuclear threat, as I told you, I don't even think that the missiles that they that Putin's talking about, I don't even think they work. I, I think he's just talking about some stuff, but we'll see. We will see. By the way, we got Ka- we got DJ Cash with us here in in the studio and I'll producer Mike is holding him up. See, it's more fun if you guys can actually see the adorable little cockapoo that we have in studio and so if you want to see him, there's we got a photo up on Instagram. I'm sure most of you are on Instagram. You should be following Buck Sexton on Instagram because then you will see Cash the Cockapoo, not to be confused with the Cockatoo, which is a large bird that actually makes a very good pet. Um, I, will, I will have you know if you like birds. Uh, but the, uh, the Cockapoo is here with us. He's hanging out. We're going to try to set up a little... A little fun Freedom Hut corner for him, and we're hoping he spends a lot, a lot of time with us. Kurt in Boston. Kurt, what do you got? Hey, how's it going there, Buck? Good to talk to you. You too, Kurt. I'm all right, man. How are things up? I assume it's Boston, so you're probably 
It's it's wet up there. Oh, oh boy. The wind is really blowing. I almost got blown over today when I came out of the uh, office building. Oh, boy. Nor'easters or nor'easters, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear you. Yeah. I hear it's raining and windy down in New York. It is indeed. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm a libertarian, okay. and I believe in self-government. Me too. And this quote, pardon me? I said, me too. I believe in self-government as well. Yeah. What's uh what do you think self governing is? Oh. I think it's being disciplined, governing ourselves first and foremost. Sure. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And at the local level, governing the local community and governing uh at the state level and finally the, the Leviathan trying to break that thing up. My friend, we're, we're getting a little you know bit into I mean? uh, political philosophy 101 here. Do you have something more specific for me? Yeah. Uh, here's, here's a movie quote. Okay, there we go. A that man, we can do. A man's got to know his limitations. Uh, a man's got to know his limitations. Oh, uh, you got me. He got me. I, don't know. I, got I, I know that quote. <laughs> I know. Yeah, laugh it off. You got me. I know that quote. Yeah. But what is that from? That's from Magnum Force. Dirty Harry. Ah. Ah. Right. You got me. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. Well, thank you for. Hey, my friend. Thank you for calling in from Boston and stay stay dry. Good to talk to you. Thank you, Lynn, Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Lynn. Lynn, going once. Going twice. Okay, I guess sold. And then we got to go to the next call. Dennis in Michigan. People all over the country. Hey, hey, Dennis. Buck, it's a pleasure. It's my second time talking to you. Oh, pleasure to have um, you calling in, sir. Thank you. First of all, uh, if I were working for Vladimir Putin and I needed to name one of these uh, missiles, I would have to come up with something that would translate in English to the reset button. Ah, okay. Like and then that. secondly, I got a, I got a, a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you know. You know the arguments. Your listeners know the arguments. And, you know, we can hold our own in a conversation. But what do you do when you're talking to people with a 10-year-old mentality who don't care that they don't make sense? I mean, I've had a couple of clo- or, uh, co-workers who I talked to them once this was years ago. I talked to them about uh, uh, Bush with weapons of mass destruction. They kept saying that uh, uh, he was lying about it when um, Hussein was in power. And I pulled up a sheet on the computer of like 50 Democrat quotes that we're saying the same thing Bush does. In right, fact, so, so you're saying you, you're, you're debating a liberal who was impervious to evidence and reason, also known as a liberal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Your screen just said the same thing. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about um, right. You know, what do you do? How do you break through that? It, you can't. You can't, Dennis. I, I wish I could tell you there was a secret, and I wish I could teach you the crane kick maneuver here so you could beat you could beat Johnny and the Cobra Kai uh dojo with this one but the truth is 
when you got somebody who doesn't want to listen to reason, there's not much you can do in talking to them and getting them to try to listen, right? You're, you're going to be stuck. So uh, I, I think that, yeah, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I lose patience very quickly with people these days who don't want to have a good faith conversation, uh, who, who won't discuss yeah. things from the perspective of, of being open-minded to at least the possibility that they're wrong. And Dennis, here, you know what? I'll give you a structure for something. Ask, okay. and for everybody listening, this is a very important way to approach it, okay? I'll, I'll work with you on this one uh, a little bit more. Ask a person you disagree with, and this whatever the issue is, ask a person you disagree with, what evidence could I present you with that would change your mind? As in, what facts could I bring into the conversation that would disprove your position? Forget about whether I have them. Just tell me what they are. And now... What's what's great about this is that they either will give you something to work with. They'll say, you know, with guns, oh, well, it's because gun violence went up or it went down or whatever it may be. And then at least you focus in on something you can agree on matters. But what will invariably happen when you ask a liberal, what evidence could I provide you with that would change your position? Their response will be. The evidence is on my side. And you'll say, okay, but what evidence then do you have that is on your side that I could give you that is different? And what you will do is you will hone into the fact that their position is not based in evidence. It is emotional. Their position is right because they've been told it's right and they think it's right. And they've never even considered the possibility that evidence could make them think they are wrong, Dennis. So that is... The crane kick maneuver, actually. I just came up with one on the spot for you. Damn, Buck is like a ninja. That was pretty good. Hour two coming up. From the Justice Department, Inspector General is investigating the former FBI deputy director and his actions in the final weeks of the presidential campaign. The allegation is that once classified Clinton emails were found on the laptop computer of Anthony Weiner and his then estranged wife, Clinton campaign aide Huma Ahmadine, the investigation stalled once it hit McCabe's desk. This appears to be backed up by text messages between demoted FBI agent Peter Strzok and FBI lawyer Lisa Page that indicate the discovery of the Clinton emails on the laptop in September 2016, but no action was taken for nearly a month. There you have Catherine Harris on Fox News saying that, ooh, more to this FBI Inspector General probe. And no surprise, it all looks bad. It all looks bad for the anti-Trump side of this because these people at the FBI and DOJ were quite clearly anti-Trump. What a shock. Oh, welcome to Hour 2 of the Buck Sexton Show, by the way. Put that out there, too. Thanks for coming and hanging out. So we'll see if we get some answers here. I'm not I'm not certain yet. I have to I wonder the government is very good at covering up uh, covering up government malfeasance. And keep in mind, even if there is censure, that quite clearly is not going to be criminal charges. So if someone were to look like they were leaking non classified information to the press just to hurt Trump and hurt his people, that doesn't mean that there will be any real consequences for that, even if we're talking about McCabe here or some of the others. I'm still amazed that James Comey, for some reason, I don't know, maybe he's too tall to fit in the prison cell, but James Comey isn't facing any kind of outrage or charges based on his leaking to the New York Times. People are like, yeah, it's a, we've had members of Congress say it was illegal, and no one's taking it seriously that that's, that that's a problem. Other people leak classified and 
their lives are ruined. You know, but Comey and Hillary and all these different people, just a different set of rules. Speaking of a different set of rules, that's why McCabe, and I'm sure we're going to find this out in some detail, that's why McCabe sat on the <laughs> sat on the Wiener laptop situation. That is why. Because he didn't want to be negatively influencing the election for Hillary. And, you know, I would note that we've heard so many different variations on why why Trump won and it's unfair, right? That's what you always hear. Trump won and it's unfair because of Russia. Trump won and it's unfair because of, you go down the whole slew of things. But the Trump won and it's unfair because they reopened the email investigation a few weeks. What was the alternative? To not open it? It was a completely legitimate line of inquiry. And a real crime was committed. And people still act like this is not a big deal. And th- this reminds me of really why the, the liberals haven't figured out yet how much damage was done and for how long that damage will linger uh, to the notion of a, an impartial federal bureaucracy and an impar- impartial Department of uh, Justice. Hillary should have been charged with a crime. That's just the way it is. The same way that Bill Clinton lied under oath should have been charged with a crime. We remember that one for a very long time. And they only want to make the laws apply when the laws apply in their favor, which undermines the very basis for uh, very basis for law enforcement. If it's just a question of what one likes or what one chooses at any point in time, then the law no, no longer has any real meaning. Oh, I would note one of you in perfect perfect timing given that i think it was yesterday i said to you all that i really appreciate the tips the notes the sources all the stuff that you provide me here for the show this is a constant series of give and take i present you the show here each each evening or whenever you listen to it via the freedom hunt and many of you give me ideas thoughts feedback but sometimes even bring me information and this is just in the pointing me in the right direction column. But one of you, I mentioned Harvey Silvergate. He's the guy who wrote Three Felonies a Day. He actually said, and the Daily Mail covered it. I didn't see any American outlets covering it. That uh, Mueller specifically tried to entrap him. when he, This is Silvergate was a lawyer. He wasn't doing anything that you know, wasn't acting in a criminal capacity. But he says that Mueller tried to entrap him in a, uh, in a lie. Specifically to prosecute him, that Mueller is an overzealous, hard-nosed, unfair prosecutor. And that that is his real history. And, you know, we're being told, oh, no, but Mueller's the last honest man in America. Just remember, folks, we have memories here. Just remember, we have memories. That was kind of funny. But no, seriously. They were telling us that Comey was the most honest, nonpartisan, best guy in the country and then we found out, oh, no, Comey's actually a partisan hack and a clownish weirdo who, even though he's six foot 11, I bet still can't dunk N- and never could. I mean, he's older now, so fine. But Comey, even in his prime, 25 year old Comey at 6'11 probably couldn't dunk. I think technically he's more like 6'6, but I'm just jealous because I'm barely six feet. Would have been so nice to be like 6'5. Yeah, that would be fun. Uh, anyway, the. the FBI is going to is going to be taking some hits here going forward. And uh, and it should, because there are very senior people who were putting their thumb on the scale for Hillary in the election and now are putting their thumb on the scale against Trump. 
and it's messed up the country. Look, Trump hasn't had a good couple of days here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. I don't like when he says that we should have the death penalty for people for uh, drug dealers. That's just not no. Uh, and I and I don't like when he says the due pro- look the due process thing. I think he just got ahead of his skis. He didn't mean that, but he was speaking off the cuff. But that's not a good it's not a good look. And uh, now with the trade situation, the tariffs, I haven't seen a compelling case yet that tariffs are a good idea. Got to be honest. I, I have not seen one yet that this is a this is a good idea. I'll talk more about it with you in, in just a few minutes. But uh, look, here, here's what Sarah Huckabee Sanders says. She's trying to give the administration POV on this one. She's giving their point of view. Here's what she said. As a president who's been talking about this, uh, not just since the campaign, but frankly for decades. Uh, and this is something that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. The president is committed to looking out, protecting the American worker. That's exactly what he's going to do. That's what he campaigned on. That's what he is delivering on mm-hmm. uh, in these actions that you're seeing that took place yesterday. Delivering for the American worker. I'll give you more of the stats and numbers afterwards, but, you know... Uh, there's no way to do this. This, this I know for sure. There's no way to put these tariffs in place and not have an effect well beyond U.S. steel uh, with regard to China. There's no way. We get a lot of lot of steel from other places, but perhaps I'm getting a little ahead of myself. We'll get into more of that in the next segment. I, I'm very, I'm very dubious of this as as an idea, folks. I'll just put it out there. Uh, Lynn in Greensboro, you're back. I hope you're back. Hello. Hello, Lynn. Now we can hear you. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you. Uh, okay, two two things. First of all, I mentioned to the guy that took the phone call, I believe it was Jeff. Producer Mike. I mentioned. What's that? His name is Mike. Oh, okay. You don't have a Jeff. Okay. Fair enough. Sorry about that. Sorry about that, Mike. But anyway, um, the first question I had was, and I don't, I don't purposely turn on CNN, but I was at the computer and I had headlines on, you know, the, the, the whatever page comes up on E, and um, it said something about Trump wanting to get rid of Ivanka and her husband Jared Kushner, and I just was like, um, really? And so I wanted to check in, check in with you on that. The second question being, please define shield tie. Oh, okay, Are sure. One or both? Okay. Sure, yeah, I'll, I'm happy to take them both, Lynn. So, on the Jared and Ivanka situation, uh, all I can go on at this point is what I've what I've read in terms of the reports. And as we know, they some of them may be wrong, they may be fake, they may need updating. But if if Jared, the the story about Jared getting big loans from CEOs that he had just met with in the White House. If that is true, that is a bad look. That's a problem. Uh, that's mm-hmm. a problem. So I will have to, we'll see, right? If it has been presented the way that it is. And I know that this president does not like it when other people's bad press becomes a problem for him. Ivanka's his daughter, and she's never, you know, he wants her by his side. I don't think she's going anywhere unless she wants to. Maybe she gets tired of it. Look, these, they're both, Ivanka and Jared are both, they're my age. Uh, I actually know them both. And they're, you know, they can go back to being incredibly wealthy and doing whatever they want and not be in the White House anymore. So that that may happen very soon here. Who knows? But that would be their choice. As to uh, Shields High, it is from the original Saturday show. 
Uh, so the OSS, and it has to do with the, when I would talk about um, when I would talk about the ancient Spartans, or I'd speak about ancient Greece and the different city states. We talk about the phalanx and the hoplite soldiers in the phalanx and how they had to hold their shields high. There was also the Spartan women who would tell the departing soldiers that you would uh, come back with your shield high or on it. And so we used to just say, we just started a battle cry of shields high because, you know, you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with people and in the fight, you want to make sure your shield is up high. So that's, it's kind of an ancient Greece reference, if you will. Thank you for calling in, Lynn from Greensboro. Appreciate it. And uh, we are going to get a little more into the tariff situation. You know, I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded about it, but I, I don't think it's a good thing. We'll be right back. There's a president who's been talking about this, uh, not just since the campaign, but frankly for decades. Uh, and this is something that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. The president is committed to looking out, protecting the American worker. That's exactly what he's going to do. That's what he campaigned on. That's what he is delivering on mm-hmm. uh, in these actions that you're seeing that took place yesterday. A lot of pushback on the Trump steel tariff situation. Uh, you're seeing conservatives that are very opposed to it. You're seeing liberals that are very opposed to it. Uh, stock market obviously had a bad day yesterday. What did it do today? Do we know what the stock market? I didn't even pay attention today. I was busy just trying not to get caught in the bomb cyclone, which is just it's it was great weather today to do nothing. Unfortunately, you know it was one of those days which what. It was down. Yeah, it was down a little bit. Okay, so not like a big thing like it was yesterday. But, man, it's, yeah, it was one of those days all along the eastern seaboard. So I'm not alone here. I think it was uh, really bad in D.C. In fact, uh, one of the one of the Sexton Six, one of my little brothers, or I only have one little brother. One of my brothers, the little one, is uh, currently unable to get out of, of D.C. on the plane. Yeah, this is why I always tell people, I told some of our buddies who visited yesterday from Black Rifle, and I said, you want to take a train if you're going to New York to D.C., because anytime you're getting on a plane, you're taking a little bit of a risk. And also, you might be putting some money in Delta's pockets after they were all mean to the NRA, so we don't like that. But back to tariffs and steel tariffs. Uh, here's what's going on. People are now saying that there's going to be a lot of retaliatory maneuvers uh that sounds very military retaliatory moves including the eu that will put a tariff on bourbon and blue jeans here according to the new york times the wall street journal which just to be fair look wall street journal does some very excellent reporting but it's a it is a corporatist paper right the wall street journal is very much concerned with (laughs) that's right wall street and uh, companies in the financial sector, they were apoplectic. They called this the biggest mis- the biggest policy mistake of the Trump administration, that this is there's no way in their minds to justify this because they don't even see it as having real benefits. Uh, but here's what The New York Times is saying about this. The EU will hit back at the United States slapping tariffs on products like Harley Davidson, Kentucky bourbon and blue jeans. If President Trump goes ahead with a plan to place tariffs on steel and aluminum imports, or if you're British, aluminium, aluminium is that what, right? Yeah, aluminium. Yeah, like my aluminium. Uh, the president of the bloc's executive arm had vowed earlier today, Jean-Claude, not Van Damme, super disappointing on Action Movie Code Friday that it's not Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Juncker, 
president of the European Commission, made the remarks to the German news media. Hello, guten Tag, yeah, the German news media. In reaction to the proposed tariffs. He said the plans to tax the American goods produced in the home states of key Republican leaders had not yet been finalized, but amounted to treating them the same way that European uh, European products would be handled if the metal tariffs go through. <sighs> you know, I, I haven't really seen much in the way of any economists who suggest that the uh, tariffs are a good thing. Uh, I'm not seeing it. And I know that Trump is doing this with regard to China. And I've heard the arguments about how, oh, it's going to make a six pack of beer like one penny more expensive or something. It'll make a car thirty five dollars more expensive. But what are we really getting out of this? The steel industry will have a temporary boost. What do you have? A hundred and you have one hundred and thirty five thousand people, I think, who are employed in the steel and and uh, now I'm going to keep saying aluminum, steel and aluminum industries in this country. Well, you've got six million people in industries, employed in industries that are very dependent on steel and aluminum. So what's the the upshot? What's the upside of this? I, this is one of these issues where I uh, the people that I the people that I think know what they're talking about tend to be pretty opposed to tariffs, let's be honest with you. The only way that this makes any sense is if you believe that other countries have they have tariffs that they don't need to have. And if we put tariffs in place, then that's just a response to their tariffs. And therefore, they will blink and get rid of them and have the even playing field that we all want. But I feel like that's not the way that's going to play out. This is likely to uh, have some there's going to be some rough seas ahead on this one. Um, The. Steel industry, by the way, we only get a, a pretty small percentage of our steel from China. Just so the, so the whole national security component of it, which I know the administration has been raising, is not all that compelling. We get a pretty sizable percentage of our steel from Canada, actually. So we got to keep we gotta keep that one in mind. Uh, there's other places as well that we get steel from that are we're not worried about them cutting us off because you know steel so we'll see uh, we'll see what ends up happening with this I'm, i don't know if this is I, I don't know if this is a good move I, I i tend to think it's probably not i'll be honest with you i i was trying to withhold judgment until i really felt confident one way or the other but from reading all the analysis that i've seen it's just likely to drive up prices and the help that we'll get for the domestic industry of steel and aluminum production seems like it's pretty minimal uh it seems to me like there's it's unlikely that will be much better this reminds me of you know when people say oh manufacturing's gone overseas we used to make things we actually make a lot more in this country than we used to in a lot of ways we just have changed the industries and are more efficient and there's greater output from what we're doing and yeah we're not going to have a massive textile industry in this country because other places do it more cheaply because of their wages and and that's not going to change. All right, you've seen those analyses, I'm sure, of what an iPhone would cost if it were made with with prevailing wage laws in place and unions and all that stuff and everything else in this country, uh, and just what it would cost to get workers to show up in this country. I think an iPhone, instead of costing eight hundred dollars with your phone plan or a thousand dollars, would cost like three times that. So that's that's the difference. And I mean, I, I tend to be in favor of. 
of as, of as much free trade as possible, I don't really see what's going to be accomplished here. But I'm not a trade guy, and I'm not somebody that spends too much time. Of, of all the issues that I'll discuss with you here in the Freedom Hut, the, uh, the international trade agreements are, are going to be the ones that I don't really – that don't really light my fire. What can I tell you? Uh, I know it's very important. I'm not saying that. It's just not an area where I get all that fired up. I, I don't see this being a, a good move, though. Um, and I, I want, if you disagree with me, please let me know. But we're going to make this, we're going to make Chinese steel more expensive for everybody who uses it in this country. So we're going to drive steel prices up with the idea that, well, now we're going to have a much bigger steel industry here at home. Uh, the national security component of it I don't find compelling at all. So I'm, I'm looking. I'm trying to figure it out, my friends. I'm going to keep keep deep diving into it. Uh, so I'm going to close uh, close that chapter for right now. Uh, 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. I'll be right back. Uh-oh, somebody pull over the wambulance. Delta CEO has come out now and said... You know, we actually really do support the Second Amendment. This is Ed Bastian, who in a memo earlier today said the company's goal was to remain neutral in the debate over guns. Well, you know, maybe now that some politicians have threatened to pull away some juicy tax breaks for you guys, you've decided that that's the approach you want to take. But let's all understand for a second here that these companies... Right. Enterprise, Delta, First National of Omaha or whatever that was, First National of Omaha. They decided to make a statement. They wanted to go with some good old fashioned. Well, I guess it's never old fashioned, but to go with some typical virtue signaling. That is what they did here. They were they were signaling their virtue. Yeah, we're going to cut ties with the NRA. Some maniac shoots a bunch of kids in a school in Florida. Let's let's cut a program with the NRA. I mean, look, they just caved to pressure. What I think is so interesting were these initial, uh, these initial pieces as well that were trying to suggest that, well, because Delta's client, clientele tend to be more affluent, it's actually economically advantageous for them to agitate gun owners in favor of the coastal elite, ty- elite types that hate the NRA. Sorry, my... My throat today is in a, is in rough shape. Um, but anyway, that looks like it's probably not true. I think that it's fair to say that uh, Delta is not, in fact, pleased with its decision. Uh, there were a dozen companies, uh, over a dozen companies, that cut ties with the NRA after that shooting in Florida. And then you got the Georgia Republicans who removed a uh, tax break. Worth about $50 million. Governor Nathan Deal signed the bill into law on Friday. Wow, I did, that was fast. I tried to warn him. You know, I, I actually did respond on Twitter to the Delta, the Delta account. At least I think I did. Maybe it was just to some other account. But I said, and you can check it out. It was on Twitter. I said, uh, you know, they think, they think that they are upsetting $5 million NRA members, but they're actually offending 60 million gun owners in one way or another. And I think that my analysis of that was clearly was clearly correct. Uh, this was the worst kind of corporate cowardice. And I think it's a good lesson. It's a good lesson for people to see that, you know, staying neutral is very easy. You stay neutral, you're, you're an airline. You just 
don't respond to these political events that have nothing to do with an airline. If the discussion were about whether pilots should be carrying the cockpit, a discussion we've had in the post 9-11 era, I can understand why they would feel like they need to get involved here. But that was not, in fact, the discussion. That is not what was going on. It was about guns, nothing to do with Delta, and Delta's feeling it. They are feeling it. It's, uh, I, I could see this coming, but I wonder how much of it is really that they panicked because of the pressure. And this is what I really want to know, and it, it's tough to figure this out, but I, I would like to have some insight into whether the change in policy from these companies was mostly driven by, you know, oh my gosh, we're going to lose all of our customers unless we cut this NRA program, or... Are there actually CEOs of these companies or senior executives in one form or another who were like, you know what? We don't like guns. We don't like gun owners. Let's uh, let's stand with the left and the anti-gun lobby on this one. Let, let's take it out on the NRA. Uh, I don't know, because I, I could be convinced that it's either. I think it's probably a combination. I'm just not sure which one is is uh, more more the reason behind this which one was a, a greater percentage of it if you will so we'll see but i knew it they go you know you go after the nra for no reason and you're gonna lose and that's what's ended up happening with some of these companies uh, i wonder if the, the the next question or the next shoe that may drop is will those major companies that have changed the age limits on Buying firearms or that will no longer offer certain firearms, including Walmart. I mean, really, you know, when you say big companies, Walmart is like the biggest. Uh, I wonder if they're going to stay with that. You know, they probably can. The thing about Walmart is that I think it it will be able to weather some some public criticism from either side on this because it's Walmart. So I don't think that's that's as much of an issue. Um, but I, I do believe that they will see. It's not good politics to play politics when you're one of these companies. It's just not smart. It really isn't. And I, I, I think that uh, the argument for raising the age, by the way, the more I've thought about this, because I know that's at first it seems it seems reasonable, but it's not reasonable if you believe that the right to bear arms is the right of adults. Right. That that once you're an adult, this is a constitutional right and therefore because because right now, if I'm looking at this, I'm thinking to myself, and I know this is private action versus government action, but private action should be rooted in some principle. So I'm, I'm criticizing it. I'm not saying they're not allowed to do it. I'm just saying it doesn't really doesn't really seem sensible to me, because if people are going to say things like, well, your your brain and your cerebral cortex and all that stuff aren't really developed quite the same way into, you know, when you're 18 versus when you're 21. So then why do we let 18 year olds vote? Why do we let eighteen-year-olds serve in the military? Why do we? Do you have to be? You have to be eighteen to smoke, right? Do you know, isn't that if tobacco products? Eighteen, right? Okay, I have no idea. I can tell you. I've never smoked a cigarette though. I just realized that. Um, so anyway, the uh, where was I on all this stuff? Oh yeah, the the notion that you should wait until people are uh, the notion that you should wait until people are, you know three years older and that's going to deal with mass shootings is just nonsense uh i i don't see it i don't see it working on any capacity and now those of us that pay attention to this saw it all coming we knew that if they tried this 
series of boycotts if they tried to take some kind of political action in response to what was a, a temporary emotional outpouring in response to a terrible event, a terrible tragedy. But uh, you know what? I knew this was going to this was going to be a, a backlash to a backlash. And that's where we are right now. So uh, I just have to say it's. It's amazing living in New York because this entire city, it feels like a gun-free zone. You can't buy them anywhere. There's only one range, I think, in the whole city. And it's such a difference with some other parts of the country where it is really believed that it's a constitutional right. I mean, New York City and to a lesser extent New York State, but New York City has, has made it so that your right to bear arms does not exist. You know, We talk about it as a constitutional right. We understand it as such, but there are places where it has been effectively regulated out of existence and we kind of accept it and we kind of accept it because most of the places where it's regulated out of existence are full of people who don't really care you know i'm in the i'm in the minority here in wanting to be able to go and go shoot and own firearms and and it's just not something that uh, is going to change anytime soon so we'll see but yeah delta look i'm just happy i wasn't on was it what was the flight uh i saw all about this there was the turbulence Everyone on the plane. Okay, yeah. This was a flight. Oh, it was a United flight going into D.C. And the and this was a, an urgent message as it struck turbulence. And it said, very bumpy on descent. This is from the plane down to the control tower. Uh, pretty much everybody on the plane threw up. Pilots were on the verge of throwing up. That is my worst nightmare. I hate bad turbulence. And once people start to toss their cookies, I can't handle it. So... Woof! Glad I didn't get stuck in the bomb cyclone up in the air. That would not be fun. All right, we got more, team. Stay with me. I'll be right back. You know, I saw this story that I, I wanted to bring to your attention, and somehow it's just, I know it's going to be under the radar, but g- given all the time we've spent talking about guns and firearms recently, I feel like this is one that folks should know about. So here, let me give you some of the, the background. This was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And there is very clear video of this. In fact, we can put it up on BuckSexton.com, but uh, we'll, we'll, we, that's what we'll do. Can we put it up on BuckSexton.com and Facebook.com slash BuckSexton? We'll do that. There's very, very clear video. And so you see the whole thing play out. Here's what happened. A guy named Tyrone Lee busts into a liquor store with a sawed-off shotgun. There, behind the counter, you have a mother and daughter the mother's 53 the daughter is 30 and they were told obviously empty the cash register you know your money or your life situation and they emptied the cash register and then they were able to hit a security feature that was supposed to lock uh tyrone lee into the doors i think it was a double door situation to get into the liquor store and one door the outer door locked but the inner door did not so Tyrone turned around with the shotgun, and uh, the the mom in this case, Tina Ring, w- had gone under the desk, had gone under the uh, the counter where she had a revolver, and you see all of it on the video, and she fires at at Lee, and she fires and fires and fires, and she hits him a couple of times. Guess what? Lee doesn't go down. He's bleeding, but he's still very much a threat. And she then, he, he gets right up. I mean, it's kind of amazing. I mean, it's scary video. It's very graphic, but it, 
he essentially rushes her and she's out of ammo and he takes the gun out of her hand so he manages to get the gun now because she runs out of ammo this is going to come into our discussion in a second takes a gun out of her hand pistol whips her with her own revolver and then the um the assailant runs over and the daughter also has a gun and before she can even fire the attacker reaches around with the gun. I mean, you should see the video. This will all make more sense if you watch the video, but reach around with the gun and clicks it off and it's empty. He, I guess, forgot in the heat of the moment the gun's empty. And he, I mean, he would have shot her. He would have killed her at point blank range. And she actually managed to get off another shot with a different gun. I think she, I couldn't tell if it was a, she might've had a pistol. And then the guy, you know, he stumbles out. He's bleeding. He got hit multiple times, once in the face, once in the leg. And he survived. They took him to the hospital. He's okay. And he's now facing multiple armed robbery charges because the police have been looking for him in a, in a number of other cases as well. This was all on video. Now, I just see this and I think to myself, well, okay, let's look at this for a moment here. What were the circumstances of this? They tried to lock this guy into their security, essentially a security cage of doors. Malfunctioned. Then he came at them with the shotgun. I don't think he managed to get a shot off with a shotgun. I think she shot him first. Oh, it's not all that clear from the video. Or maybe maybe the shotgun, you know, maybe it was empty. I don't know. Um, but neither of the women were, were hit, by the way. Um, but she's firing at him, and she, she hits him more than once. But now keep in mind that one of the discussions that we've had here about defending yourself in the Second Amendment is... Well, why would anybody need... People will say this. Why, all semi-automatics should be banned. Why would anyone need 15 rounds? This is a perfect example of why you might need 15 rounds for self-defense. At a minimum. Uh, because you could hit somebody more than once, and they won't go down. The threat is not stopped. Also, you can miss a whole lot when you are terrified for your life at close range. And that is what happened here. She missed and she missed and she missed and then she hit him and then he you know, got up close to her. And you know, everyone assumes that this, well, not everyone, the, the people that are claiming that, you know, all you need is like a bolt action rifle. You know, if everyone just had a, you know, a, a Lee Enfield or something, if you're kicking, kicking it old school with a bolt action rifle, then we'd all be better off because you could still defend yourself, but you wouldn't be able to engage in some kind of a mass shooting. This scenario, this video, I just feel like this is a an important addition to the discussion that's been just consuming the news cycle and everyone's spending so much time on it. This video shows in up close and personal what a self-defense situation with a gun is really like. It is terrifying. Blood is pumping incredibly hard and fast through one's veins and heart or through one's arteries and heart. Uh, it is very easy to rattle off a bunch of rounds that miss somebody who's five feet, ten feet away. If they're coming at you, if they're moving towards you, she had a, a revolver. You know, I, I know some of you are going to say buck revolvers actually because it's very um, straightforward mechanism. It's very good for self defense, but I don't know. It looked like you know, in in her hand, it probably would have been better off if she had a smaller semi-auto that with a more ergonomic grip and feel. That's just my opinion. But clearly, she she ran out of ammunition, and and in a sense, I guess this had the best best outcome because the the women were not harmed. 
the guy got shot but didn't die. He's okay. He's gonna he's gonna be all right. Um, he has a you know he's shown in photos now in a neck brace with some bandages, but he survived and doesn't didn't have any permanent damage. Um, and some of you are like, well, Buck, he would have killed those women, so he should have died. But that's I'm just saying that you know when you look at this, given this, it could have been a tragedy and it wasn't right. So that's the good news. Um, but it just reminds me of. Here we have a case study. Here, here's Exhibit A. And many of you already know this, but I, I just wish we could get some of our well-intentioned liberal friends to take a look at this. If you're going to be defending yourself, you need multiple rounds, and you need to assume that you might need multiple rounds not just to uh, hit the person, but to bring the person down. And it's really easy. I mean, those of you who, you know, I, I was always, uh, I was always, Fond of like the Glock 19 or the Glock 26, for example. Those are two of my favorites. You can rattle off if you have pretty, you know, pretty decent trigger finger. You can rattle off those rounds real fast without even thinking twice about it. You know, bam, 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 bam. It, it's and that's the other thing too. I think people, a lot of people who don't know anything about guns, don't understand that um, if you have a if you have a reasonable familiarity with firearms. What what sounds to them like automatic is just somebody with a semi-automatic who's firing quickly and 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 knows what they're doing. So anyway, I just this is uh, we'll put it up on Facebook so you can see the video. I thought it was a very good depiction of why you need semi-automatic, why you need plenty of rounds, and you know it, 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 this was a you, you got to watch this. Yeah, I'm actually seeing now the the second woman had a uh, had a handgun, a semi-automatic. And she actually was able to, she was the one who was able to hit him uh, to, re- to really bring him down the second time. Because he, he wrestled the revolver that was empty out of the mom's hands. So that was what, so, so understand, if there were only one gun in the circumstance, let's say, if there was only one gun in the store, in the good guy's or good gal's hand in this case, they would have been dead. And a revolver wasn't enough so that's just something to keep in mind here you know these are the scenarios that actually happen in real life it's like oh why would anyone need an ar-15 to defend themselves because it's actually a very easy to wield and understand and use firearm and it has a good rate of fire i'm not not trying to be an ar-15 salesman or something here i'm just saying there's reasons why people need more than a double-barreled shotgun with two rounds in it. You know, we're not Elmer Fudd. We're trying to defend ourselves. All right, that's just some quick thoughts on that team. We're coming into a third hour here. Stay with me. Welcome to hour three of the Buck Sexton Show. We've got much more to discuss, my friends. I'm excited to uh, talk to you about a whole array of things, including what you can tell about somebody by their face. That's going to be a fun discussion. We also will get into some roll call, a very special roll call for you today. And some Team Buck, I was going to say opera talk, but that's wrong because that was last weekend. This weekend, Oscar talk. That's what I meant. Oscar talk, uh, which is where I'm basically going to bash Hollywood and the uh, movie industry. TV has gotten really good. I will say that. The TV industry is in a golden age. Uh, Hollywood big budget movies are so much garbage now that it's hard to imagine. But before I get to that, I I just want to bring your attention to something. So uh, earlier, I think it was this week, there was that panel 
that was out in Portland at Portland State University where someone said that men and women are different and people are like, oh, my gosh, how could you? They got very upset about that. You're not allowed to say. At least that's the new rule. You're not allowed to say that men and women are different. You can't say they're the same either, though, because, well, then how can you have gender discrimination? How can you have a pay gap if men and women aren't different? So we must know they're different, but they're only different for the purposes that the left decides they're different. And other things, they think they're the same. I know it hurts my brain, too. You sit there and you're like, fuck, this doesn't make any sense. And I say to you, exactly. Uh, But here's just yet another instance of how the left doesn't make any any sense anymore on on some of these issues. Well, on on many issues, Uh, YouTube is uh, was allegedly engaged in a process of hiring employees that excluded white and Asian men. Here is what the Wall Street Journal writes. YouTube last year stopped hiring white and Asian males for technical positions because they didn't help the world's largest video site achieve its goal for improving diversity, according to a civil lawsuit filed by a former employee. Uh, The lawsuit filed by Arnie Wilberg, a white male who worked at Google for nine years, including four years as a recruiter at YouTube, alleges that the division of Alphabet Inc., Alphabet is Google's holding company, uh, set quotas for hiring minorities. Last spring, YouTube recruiters were allegedly instructed to cancel interviews with applicants who weren't female, black, or Hispanic, and to purge entirely the applications of people who didn't fit those categories, according to the lawsuit. This is happening, by the way, all over the country. This is happening in ways that we don't hear about systemically. Uh, This is discrimination, folks. This is active, widespread discrimination. It is practiced at college campuses and universities. It is practiced by major private corporations, and it has to stop. You see, the left can't actually defend itself on these issues. The big problem for them is even with the construct of white privilege, which is a nonsense and disgusting term to begin with, but even using white privilege as their get out of jail free card on any number of social policy issues, because they also are discriminating against Asians who are clearly a non-white minority in this country. What we see is that diversity worship on the left isn't based in any actual principle. It's just a question of what the left likes at any given time. And they change. They'll decide that, sure enough, they want to help one group more than another, but then there'll be another group that becomes more fashionable as the greatest of the victim classes. This is what is tearing this country apart culturally. The lack of principle and the hypocrisy at very influential and major institutions. We're talking about the Harvards of the world, the Googles of the world. They no longer can be honest about what they're doing, and then they wonder why we don't trust them. I absolutely believe the allegation that YouTube was engaged in this kind of conduct because these companies have become overrun with progressive social justice warriors 
You had recently the the purge of conservative accounts on Twitter. They're saying it was just about Russian bots. I know a lot of conservatives who say it's about much more than that. The terms of service and the rules of the road for these massive social media platforms are used in ways that are discriminatory against conservatives on a regular basis. We are finally waking up to this. I've been sounding the alarm as much as I can for years. And I've been saying that this is the new media monopoly that the social media platforms of Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram, which is owned by uh, Facebook. These are all the places now where the left gets its way and pretends that there's no bias at work. This is what used to be the case on television and with all the different newspapers, right? It was ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, NPR, New York Times, Washington Post, for decades and decades, that was news. And it was not quite as far left as it is now, but it was definitely left of center. It was a Democrat mainstream media apparatus. And finally, because of talk radio, because of the Internet and Fox News, that monopoly was broken. And yet here we are with the acceptance, it seems, by much of the public of a similarly sweeping leftist media and and information domination scheme. And I find it uh, very troubling going forward because do any of us really know? I mean, every time you post something on Facebook or Twitter, every time you're looking around, you don't, you know, we don't know what the algorithms are really trying to do. We're not aware of what the internal policies are at these companies. And once you see things like YouTube's hiring practices have been infected with the insanity of social justice uh, social justice as the central goal then you got to assume that that affects the rest of the company too right if youtube really thinks it's okay to purge its systems of white and asian male applicants for jobs and and then act like there's no big deal there do you really think that they won't adjust algorithms do you really think that they won't make changes that favor the left-wing narrative on any number of issues that give you more search results for uh, articles from Slate and HuffPo and the New York Times than from Fox News and the New Republic and, you know, whatever else. I'm sorry, not the New Republic. That's left-wing. National Review, the Weekly Standard. You know, that's what's happening right now. And I just think that we need to be very clear-eyed about what's going on here. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I love Friday Night Lights. It was a great show. Even though everybody in it was like a 30-year-old playing a 15-year-old, which is so weird when you think about it. Still a great show. All right, we'll be right back. Stay with me. I read this really interesting article right before I came on the air today. I, I just wanted to share it with you. It had to do with what your face says about you. And this also reminds me of how I had a friend who we, we, we used to hang out all the time. And he was a very eccentric, very unusual fellow. But whenever he wanted to win an argument with somebody and he thought he was losing, he would just go, oh, yeah, you face. And as dumb as that sounds, somehow it kind of worked sometimes. You know, well, I really disagree with you on whether or not that's going to be good for, yeah, you face. That's what he used to say. But... (laughs) <laughs> that has nothing to do with anything other than it's Friday and I'm sharing stories with you. But there's this uh, this piece on CNBC about how people can make 
judgments about your socioeconomic status based upon your face. And it, it is not a it is not something that uh, is perfect, obviously, but it's like a 60 percent chance. And this involved only just to take any uh, racial component out of this, because that obviously might skew somebody who wants to generalize. They might assume, oh, well, that person's Asian. Asian Americans actually have the highest per capita income or per household income in the country. So I'm going to assume that person is relatively well off. No, no, it was all white people, men and women. And it was an interesting study. 80 white male subjects, 80 white female subjects. No tattoos or piercings allowed because, again, people, rightly or wrongly, make socioeconomic judgments based on that. Just as an aside, last night when I was out, because some of the military guys I was with were, uh, they've got some pretty extensive tattoos and i'm always amazed at how tattoos now are just everywhere uh people there's been an explosion in popularity of Mm. tattoos really i feel like in the last 10 or 15 years where i i'm sitting there and i'll be talking to a corporate exec and he'll roll up his sleeves and he'll have like a, a a flaming dragon fighting an eagle across his forearm or something and and you get surprised by this occasionally because you wouldn't necessarily expect it you know it's one thing uh 50 years ago you know if you're in the navy you had an anchor on your bicep like popeye right or something i guess no one really gets do people get bicep tattoos i remember the 90s well there was of course the popularity of primarily with females having a tattoo in the lower back region And there was a name for this kind of tattoo that we don't have to share here on the show because it would be unfair to cast aspersions on the tramp stamp crowd. But uh, there also was the the male equivalent, which was the barbed wire bicep tattoo. That was very popular in the 90s and has since seemed to uh, fade away. You don't see as many barbed wire bicep tattoos now but now everybody's got tattoos i mean i have so many friends that have them and i don't know i wonder if it was the popularity of some tv shows like inked and these other ones but anyway back to faces uh people can tell based on your face and these socio they they can tell with pretty high accuracy 60 or 70 percent of the time just by looking at a photo of your face what your socioeconomic background is and remember this is only within the same ethnic group So it was interesting because now you have social scientists who are trying to figure this out and it's it's subconscious for a lot of people. But there are things that you uh, you associate rightly or wrongly, but generally because it's a generalization, the association is going to be right more often than than not. But there are very subtle facial uh, features that are believed to be related to stress and to uh, essentially your frame of mind that over time, and this is what I found most interesting, over time, your frame of mind manifests itself on your face. So your approach to your day-to-day life and how you feel about things and all of that shows up and people can see that on your face. Your face, as my friend would say. And this goes with other studies about, uh, for example, your clothing. 
clothing is something that a lot of us, I, I don't put a lot of stock in you know, what, what I wear day to day. I don't sit around thinking long and hard about it. I usually grab the nearest pair of comfortable jeans and the nearest clean shirt and throw on some boat shoes and call it a day. But clothing is full of decisions as well. And people, whether they realize this is what I, this is the part of it that's also really interesting, whether you realize it or not, everyone you're interacting with all the time, you are making your brain is making judgments about their the clothing they're wearing and their and their face. (laughs) This is science, folks. This is science. Uh, And this is also a way to start to understand how we, you know, interact with each other the way that we do and why you have these multi-billion dollar industries of uh, fashion and clothing design and makeup and all these different things to create certain perceptions. Because as much as we all walk around and like to think, and, and I'd like to think this, that I just see every person as a person and interact with them just based upon their actions and conduct, your brain is making you could even call them micro decisions or micro distinctions not to be confused with microaggressions uh, but your subconscious is processing a lot uh, all the time and now sometimes this stuff is really obvious right you know if i'm walking down uh, a dark alleyway to use the old trope and a guy you know all of a sudden kind of comes close enough to me that i can see him and he is wearing a very expensive looking tailored suit he could be tom cruise in the movie collateral right i mean he, he could be a highly trained assassin that's come after me i mean i was a cia guy for example uh maybe they're trying to even the score with me all these years later but if he's wearing a ski mask and uh you know i'm gonna be a little bit more uh, a little more on edge about that situation. We all, this is an obvious version. But even with much more subtle differences, we're, we're always making distinctions and, and coming up with information that our brain is processing and affects the way we think about things without us making a conscious decision. Also true of accents, by the way. I was always uh, amazed at how the, uh, the spectrum of backgrounds in the NYPD was so much reflected in the accents and the analysts in the intel division for example uh i don't know how else to say it generally sounded like me and the cops always knew when they were dealing with one of these analyst guys or gals instead of you know a fellow law enforcement uh you know shielded and badged or uh you know armed and badged officer uh, because of the accents and that's always a big and you see this in english society we make these movies right we make these movies in in history you make a movie about ancient rome and the wealthy person is oh i speak like this i have a very proper accent and remember they would have been speaking latin right so it's kind of a weird thing and and then these these serfs the plebs the lower level uh, farmers and guys who were not officers but the grunts in the in the ancient Roman legions were like, oh, you know, let's go fight the barbarians. You know, you know what I mean? We'll go fight him. You know, I've got to take my sword and go, that whole thing. And we all know without thinking about it, oh, okay, well, they come from a, a different socioeconomic background. So I just thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the, the cops used to joke around and tell me that I talk funny, for example, sometimes. 
Like, you talk funny. And I was always like, yeah, you know, one of us does. That much for sure. It's just different. It's not funny. It's just different. And I love one of the one of the, the fun things for me about this show, which is so great, is that it's a nationally syndicated show. So we have people from all across the country who are constantly calling in. And I get to hear so many different regional dialects on the show. We have obviously amazing southern callers here. Uh, we have Midwestern callers. We have East Coast people. We got Bostonites. We got Philadelphia Philadelphians. Uh, we get people from the West Coast call in, Southwest. I mean, and, and there are always little distinctions. You know, there's always uh, variations that we can hear in each other's voices. And that's just a regional distinction. That's obviously not a socioeconomic distinction. Uh, but these are the things you pick up in day to day. Anyway, so you face. People can make judgments about you in terms of your attitude. And that is often correlated with how you're doing day to day. Um, but they can they can tell a lot about you based on whether or not you smile, whether or not you are constantly stressed, uh, how your face is responding to your day to day life. This is actually a much more serious version of this. I remember years ago seeing I think it was a Norwegian. Uh, I think it was a Norwegian soldier, but um, he had been in. Yeah, I think it was Norwegian. Maybe it was Swedish. He had been in Afghan or no Danish. I forget now. He had been in Afghanistan as part of the coalition, and they showed what he looked like a couple of years before he went, and then showed what it looked like when he came back, and uh, he looked like a different looked like a different person in the face from being around the stress of combat. So these are things that affect people in different ways. I just thought it was interesting, and it's Friday, and it's uh, one of these fun days where we get to just talk about whatever because it's a relatively slow news cycle. So with that, I am going to. Get us ready for some roll call coming up here in just a moment. And then also some closing thoughts on the Oscars. Stay with me. All right, everybody, you know what time it is. Hey, Team Buck, it's time for roll call. Aw, yeah, Plato's Funky Beats. All right, first up, we have in our roll call, Kristen. She writes, Buck, a cocker spaniel poodle mix is called a cockapoo. Typically up, Corinna. Corinna writes, irate. That describes me. So today I find out you will be in Savannah next weekend when two weeks ago I booked my daughter's tour of Savannah State University. Arr, I'm totally going to miss you at that Black Rifle event. Oh, Corinna, I'm sorry about that, but I'm sure there'll be other opportunities. I'll be getting together with the team later on this year. Right now, I'm, I'm definitely trying to get together with some folks in Austin, although I haven't picked dates yet. I just want to find a great bar and barbecue spot in Austin where we can just just gather the squad, just gather as many of Team Buck as we possibly can. And I will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the end of March for the Talk Tank event. So those of you who uh, listen to WoWo, uh, the great station in Fort Wayne, or that just are in proximity to Fort Wayne, Indiana, 
I will be there for the Talk Tank event uh, put on by Whoa Whoa, which is W-O-W-O. So uh, that's coming up, which will be fun. Another one here from, I was going to say Ali, but I think it's Ali. Either one works. Hi, Buck. I am uh, older, so when chocolate milk wasn't sold pre-made, my friend here is the best chocolate milkshake ever. Whole milk and Nestle's Quick and Breyer's Natural Chocolate Ice Cream. Make it yourself. And as far as the shootings, thank you for sharing your facts on police protocol. You know your stuff. Uh, well, thank you very much, Ali or Ali. <laughs> uh, and look, any, any chocolate milk is good chocolate milk. It was really one of my weaknesses. There are certain foods that if they're in close proximity to me, I'll just find an, I'll just find an excuse to scarf them, you know? French fries, chocolate, those are the, that's the top of the list. But good chocolate, not, I don't, I hate it when I, I'm in a place where the chocolate bar has like raisins and nuts in it. Who puts nuts and raisins in chocolate? What kind of savagery is that? It's insane. Uh, but yeah, a good dark chocolate. Some, some of the flavorings I'm okay with, but generally I just want the good stuff, chocolate. I used to be a white chocolate guy, but there's a little bit of snobbery around it because technically white chocolate isn't really chocolate it's made with cocoa butter no actual cacao so you know there's that but sometimes it's fun to mix it up all right abe is next up here this was actually from a few days ago but i meant to get to it buck i've been in law enforcement for almost 23 years that caller you had before couldn't have been any more wrong we in law enforcement are trained to go into the schools and go on a search and destroy mission until all the bad guys are dead or captured Hearing that these four officers didn't go in absolutely sickens me. I tried calling before, but couldn't get through. Well, Abe, first of all, thank you for sharing your perspective. And, and I, I remember when we were talking about this, I think it was last Friday, uh, there were a couple of folks who seemed to think that law enforcement weren't out of line. Everyone agrees that it wasn't a, a good situation, but uh, with law enforcement not taking action right away, I mean, that that, that was a problem. Some of us, though, thought it was utterly disgusting and disgraceful. I put myself in that category. There are other people, though, who said, no, there are protocols. I'm finding out more and more, though, that no active shooter protocol is you got to stop the shooter. Uh, And that was what I thought was the case. So that's where I am on that right now. Brian is next up here. He writes, Buck, you are not a gray haired millennial. You're a zenial X-E-N-N-I-A-L. Hmm. Older millennials are stepping into the limelight and dubbing themselves Xennials. This label is being used to describe people born between 1977 and 1983. They grew up in the pre-social media age like the Gen X generation, but they've also adapted to today's digital culture like millennials during their adulthood. We were kids in an analog world who watched the digital revolution come as teenagers. Yeah, Brian, you're totally right about that. It's amazing when I think back to my teenage years being in high school and, you know, we didn't have cell phones, right? If, you need, if I needed to call my folks, if I had to come home or if I got sick or something, I would have to get to a phone phone and call them. And that just strikes me now as so bizarre. How could anyone exist without a cell phone? Uh, what, and what a difference that would have been in school as well. You'd be able to just carry around a computer with you that you could google answers to things at any point in time 
it, it must be so much more efficient. I remember if you lost handouts, you know, printed sheets of paper with information on that you needed, it was like a disaster. You'd have to try to get into the school maybe on the weekends or go meet up with a friend and get to a Kinko's, to a Xerox machine. Now it's all electronic. I feel like I wasted so much time in high school just managing paperwork. I even had in grammar school a trapper keeper. I think it had a Ferrari on it or something or maybe a, a tree frog or a wombat or some kind of animal. But uh, Trapper Keeper was really the thing that we all had. I don't know if any of you know what I'm talking about, but it was a kind of like a binder with Velcro on it where you'd keep your paper. And that was what the cool kids had. Right around the time that we also loved snap bracelets or slap bracelets. I don't know. I forget what they were called. But the bracelet that's a, basically a strip of metal that you'd whack across your, your wrist. And that was really cool for a while. Ah, yes. Simpler times. Oh, he also wrote here. Brian writes, also great reference to the wire. Yes, Broward County Sheriff strategy is like Hamsterdam in season four of the wire. Uh, My Broward Sheriff's office buddy thinks Israel is a political stooge and hopes he resigns. Uh, I agree with your buddy. I feel for the hardworking beat cops in Broward getting a bad name because of leadership failings. Totally, totally agree. Uh, And yeah, the, the Broward situation there is not uh it's not inspiring for those of us who look to law enforcement and hope that leadership matches the bravery shown by the rank and file day to day uh let's see what else we got here joel he writes hey buck i was listening to the podcast and you mentioned the ifs and buts quote i apologize if someone's already told you this the phrase is if it (laughs) Sorry. If its and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Chalk that up as reason 1567 why the sheriff needs to resign. It's such a stupid comment when we're thinking about something that is very serious, including his own department's failures. Anyway, have a great day. Shields high. By the way, if you ever want to use anything I say, feel free to quote me. Okay, Joel. Well, I just did. So I'm glad I I'm glad I have uh, your permission here. And thank you very much for. Writing in skip is the next one here. It's a uh, buck. We should shout for joy now that stores can decide not to sell AR 15s or ammo to kids under 21. This means that the bakery next door can decide who they sell a cake to. Of course, I am shouting into my hat. The liberals still get to decide things like that when it comes to LGBT issues. Yeah, skip. It's true. Uh, the, the second amendment is in fact a constitutional right. But what we are seeing here once again is that most people on the left, most liberals, reject that it is a constitutional right. And you'd say, well, Buck, that's crazy. It's in the Constitution. Supreme Court precedents have already looked at this issue as well. And I say, I know, but they are just, they, they are rejecting what is true on this. And they're rejecting the reality. Uh, so... Yes, the Second Amendment. And there are so many regulations and modifications and restrictions on the Second Amendment, which is a constitutionally constitutionally enumerated right that would never fly with any other right, including things not even vaguely in the Constitution, as you know. I mean, start speaking about common sense uh, voter registration reform or common sense abortion restrictions, for example, and the left will lose their minds. 
Next up here, uh, Sean, he writes, do you really think the gun violence restraining order will not be used as a weapon against people that might have disagreements when there is really no danger of the person ever using their gun? I feel like liberals will take advantage of this. Uh, The Second Amendment says will not be infringed. I grew up in the 80s and had a gun at my school almost every day during hunting season. And as did most young men, and never once did we have a problem. Uh, I think this is about a lack of morals and discipline. Sean, it's certainly a concern. I would, and I've been thinking about this. I would say this, uh, that there are, you, if you have to have a restraining order situation, first of all, you can get a restraining order against somebody for any number of reasons already. So that's a process that already exists. This would just be specific to uh, the removal of guns as part of the restraining order. But you have to go before a judge and convince the judge. So this isn't like swatting or something where people can just call in some anonymous tip and and put you in jeopardy or get you in trouble. Uh, This would require, by its very nature, judicial process. So that doesn't mean that you're wrong that it will be. uh, I'm not saying it can't be abused. I'm just saying I don't think it is likely to be very abused. And uh, next one here, we have Rob. He writes, hey, Buck, it appears that uh, the station you're on in Boston is now a full-time salsa music station. <laughs> okay. Are you on any other terrestrial radio stations that are carried by the iHeart app? Uh, yes, Rob, but I can tell you the easy, if you have the iHeart app, the easiest thing to do is just type in the Buck Sexton show. We have a 24-7 stream. So any of you with cell or internet access anywhere in the country can always listen to the Buck Sexton show. Don't ever feel like you're out of touch with the team. You can listen on the iHeart streaming app, and I uh, very much recommend that uh, you do so. Uh, you can also go to BuckSexton.com. We've got the stream there as well. Uh, and we are adding to our terrestrial stations list all the time, and we should get a new, hopefully a new and updated list going pretty soon here. Uh, all right, and that is going to be it for uh, this uh, this edition of Team Buck Speaks. I'm not. We're not closing out the show with this one today because I, I wanted to spend a little time with you in closing, discussing the uh, the Oscars this weekend. It's a Friday. It's late. It's third hour. I feel like come on, we can have a little chat about the Oscars, right? Uh, I've only seen one of the movies that's getting a lot of attention. I want to give you my thoughts on that one, and then just some uh, some closing remarks here from the Freedom Hut before I. Send you off to enjoy your weekends. Hopefully you're not caught in this disgusting nor'easter like those of us are uh, over in the coast are. But I'll be right back with some Oscar talk. Stay with me. So I stayed out for a little bit and uh, had a little bit of tequila. And, you know, it was a nice night. Nice night. But I'm, I'm back in action now. So this weekend, uh, which is looking like it's going to be a perfect Netflix and relax weekend, not to be confused with Netflix and chill uh, but it's going to be a gross rainy certainly 24 hours here in new york city sunday is the oscars and looking at what uh, expectations are I, I have a feeling yeah that's right it's the oscars yeah the oscars people are gonna have all kinds of fun on the red carpet Lots of uh, politicized speeches. I'm going to watch it because you know what? If you cook, if you're going to cook yourself a nice meal and you're just going to be lazy 
and maybe have your laptops there and do a little bit of online shopping while it's on in the background. I think it's a nice way for me and Miss Molly to hang out on Sunday evening. I'll probably end up watching about an hour of the Oscars and then I will bail on it. Uh, but I would say a few things about it. One, one the movie that I'm seeing get the most, uh, the most buzz is this movie Get Out, which I watched. And it is rare for me to see a movie these days before it comes out on DVD or on demand. Uh, but I watched this movie and it was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It just it wasn't fun. It wasn't interesting. It, the storyline is dumb. And I think parts of it are actually I, I hesitate to use the words offensive, but they're, they're, they're a little bit a little bit offensive. Um, and I know that it's for those of you who don't know, the movie is about a, a young African-American guy who's dating a white girl and he goes to her very uh, suburban family household and everyone is white. And they I, I look, I will be honest with you. I didn't even finish the movie. I thought it was so bad. I got about an hour and change into it and I turned it off. Uh, but they are kidnapping and, and killing all of the black people or brainwashing them or something. It's it's a terrible movie. It's just a bad movie and that it may get best screenplay and best picture and I don't know what's going on in Hollywood, and I, I don't know how anyone would think these are good, that, that that's a good movie, but nonetheless, it may, in fact, uh, win. And then there's also this The Shape of Water, which I actually want to see. I like some of Guille, uh, Guillermo del Toro's stuff. I was a fan of, the, uh, of Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, that's a very, uh, that's a very intense movie i think it's uh can be a tough watch in some parts in some places but i did enjoy it i did think it was good it was well done and i also like hellboy which i think is guillermo <laughs> i can't say his name guillermo del toro so yeah that's uh that's what i've got planned for sunday so i'm hoping you all maybe will have some oscar uh some oscar thoughts for me over the weekend or on monday i don't even know what else is even nominated i i wish i uh, I wish I could tell you that I had some better sense of what's going on in the movie world, but I'm re- I've really turned into a oh the Winston Churchill movie that's actually got nominated. That's that's one that I really want to see. Sorry, my voice is really breaking. I'm going to have to rest my voice this weekend. Uh, but the Winston Churchill movie looks like it was pretty good, so I think I'll I think it is likely that I will want to check that one out. So. That's what I've got. Uh, Winston Churchill. I've got to check out also. The Shape of Water, and I'm going to go see Black Panther. I'm going to go see that probably in theaters. So you can share your thoughts about all that and more by going to facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. You know, it was nice. We had a relatively quiet news day today. Got to hear from the folks and get to sort of chill out and lay low and go into the weekend. It'll be a nice, mellow, and relaxed vibe. Uh, Do send me your thoughts, officialteambuck at gmail.com, or get on Twitter, folks. It's actually pretty handy once you get used to it, at Buck Sexton on Twitter. Oh, and before I forget, I am going to be in Savannah, as I've been saying, uh, late next week. I'll be there Friday at the Nine Line Apparel Store, probably around uh, lunchtime, around 12 p.m. or so. That's the plan. So if you are in the Savannah area, if you are in Georgia, or if you just feel like a fun weekend trip, they are expecting... At least in the uh, hundreds, I have heard that right now they may even get a couple thousand folks showing up to the Nine Line Apparel store. 
So I would really love to see as many of you there as possible. We'll hang out. We'll do whatever carnival games they've got there. Drink some coffee. Take some photos and chill. Have a fantastic weekend. Be sure to rest up. Uh, catch up on old episodes of Shields High if you can. And, of course, perfect place to transition to the fact that I will see you Monday. So with that, Shields High.